How many come into the house of the Lord with a heart ready to worship? Tonight I'm going to be teaching on worship. And um, just before we go there, I just want us to take a second. If you could just slip your hands up. Father, we just thank you for your presence. It's with us always. Thank you that we do not have to invite you here, but you're with us as a habitation, not a visitation. You don't come and go. You actually make permanent residence in our heart. Bring an awareness to the body of Christ of the covenant and the relationship that we have in you. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. I'm praying, God, that this word penetrates the heart of every worshiper. And even those, Father, that find it difficult to worship because of unbelief, break unbelief tonight. I thank you, Father, that you have created us to worship. And tonight we give you full access to our hearts. That teaching wouldn't just come to intellectually make us smarter, Father, but let it bring transformation to us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You can be seated. Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. I pray and, and hope that everybody enjoyed. How many enjoyed their Thanksgiving? Uh, was that good? Listen, I, this was my first year actually cooking cook, uh, the turkey myself. I was extremely nervous because, in case y'all don't know, it's a little... Uh, nerve-wracking to cook around black folk because if it ain't right come on somebody if there ain't some franks and i so i had to call in my super superhero my secret my secret weapon i called manny and i said sir i need some mac and cheese with some soul on them I need some yams, because, you know, white folks, we don't know nothing about that. Our mac and cheese, a lot of times, don't have the layers to it. You know, God deals with us in layers. And uh, and then, you know, we're used to having stuffing. Y'all call it dressing. But, oh, Lord Jesus. So I called Manny, and he he brought over some mac and cheese and some yams and and I'm telling you, people's like, man, who cooked these? I said, man, E. <laughs> I don't know if they heard the E at the after two minutes after I said man, but I wanted to take credit for it, but I just couldn't. But it, it turned out wonderful. This bird turned out good. So I pray everybody enjoyed the Thanksgiving. And uh, how many want to thank God for the leftovers? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Amen. All right, well, we're going to get this word tonight. Grab your Bible. Let's go to John 4, and we're going to start chapter 4. We're going to read 1 through 26 and um, get into this tonight. Everybody say real worship. We'll talk about this tonight. And I wanted to challenge the heart of the very heart and the essence of who we are tonight because there's some real things happening here, and I want to bring out some points and hopefully... Um, It'll minister to you. So let's read John 4, 1 through 26. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Let me bring a little context here. Samaria. Um was filled with people who was half Jew and half Gentile. That's what they are. 
Um, uh, a long, long, long time ago, what had happened was, how many know that the Hebrew people kept messing up and then God would allow people to come in with war and then they would put them in bondage and captivity. What happened is, uh, this, uh, um, the, these people that we're getting ready to deal with, this this woman that is of this particular people, is the byproduct of a duality of not only beliefs, not only a religious belief, but also um, that of Jew and Gentile. And so they had uh, a lot of things uh, happening between the Jew and these people because they hated each other. Um, to the Jew, if you wasn't purely Jew... Um, which is crazy in and of itself because Paul talks about the true Jew is born from above. It has nothing to do with your birthright in the physical. It has everything to do with your spiritual inheritance. And uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people don't know Abraham wasn't Jew. And so it, it's amazing how we we miss those revelations as it pertains to this stuff in Scripture. But in this particular case, there was... Uh, a real hatred for one another that was happening. Jesus being what you would consider a full Jew, having dealings with this woman breaks all of the rules. They don't talk. They don't speak. They don't have any dealings with each other. They do not do business with each other. None of this stuff. And here's Jesus, a true Jew. Matter of fact, do you know that both cases in the New Testament where the Bible says that Jesus said you have great faith? None of them was towards a Jew. It was two, two Gentiles that he had. Two Gentiles. Isn't that something? Said you have great faith. You don't even have to go, to go to the house. He's already healed. That's great faith, Jesus said. He didn't say that. Matter of fact, when he described the Jewish people, if you want to see the description he called them, that, that they were the sons of the devil. That's what he said. It ain't much changed since then. They still do not believe the way that they need to believe. And so there's a lot of a lot of history happening here in this passage. So let's continue to read and we'll, we'll get into the meat of it. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. How many remember Joseph? How many remember Jacob? I've taught on this in the house. If you go back and look at it on the podcast or whatever you want to watch on the sermons on the website, however you get it. But I want to encourage you to go back and just look at that series called Deception. I taught on Jacob. Jacob, uh, his Hebrew name means what? Huh? Deceiver. The heel grabber, the deceiver. Um, And it was it followed him throughout his journey, constantly deceiving, constantly a well of lies. It's funny that Jesus is getting ready to deal with his enemy at a well of lies. Jacob's well. That's why God changed his name to Israel. I've often said many times when God changes your name, that's what is real. And so we got to we got to look at the context. It's not by coincidence that they're meeting and dealing with this stuff that's going on in her life at this particular place called Jacob's well. The place of deception. Now watch this. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weird from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, 
How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So uh, she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are no greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Mm. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Watch this. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Isn't that something that she's talking to the seventh man, the true husband? Seven is the number of completion. She's had five. The one she's with now isn't hers. Now she's talking to the seventh one, and he's actually the true bride, the true husband. She's trying to reconnect. He's trying to reconnect her to a place of authenticity and realness. We're going to talk about real worship tonight. I'm not talking about the kind of worship when everybody's running and shouting and dancing. You can do all that from a sincere place, but you can also do it from a place that's very superficial. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I know people that will speak in tongues for hours and hours and hours and get out as soon as they leave and act like the son of the devil. The same mouth they was blessing God with, they'll curse somebody else with. It doesn't make no sense to me how you can say, how you can hold things like people that want to be spiritual will, will, will do all these spiritual uh, things but then hold unforgiveness in their heart. Hold bitterness in their heart. Hold things in their heart that does not reflect the spirit. Paul, as a matter of fact, the only church that spoke in tongues in the New Testament was the Corinth church, church uh, Corinthians church. And he's that's the church Paul said is not spiritual. Paul literally labeled them and said, you are not spiritual. You've not so learned Christ. This is something that is major. These people are gifted flowing in the fivefold ministry. They are operating in the gifts of the spirit. And Paul said, you're not spiritual. It is possible to prophesy and not be spiritual. It's possible to do church and not be spiritual. How are you going to get mad that somebody's sitting in your seat? It's your name ain't on this thing. And I know members that would get mad if you sat in the seat that they sit in and call themselves spiritual. That's not spiritual. Spirituality would prefer your brother over yourself. Come on now. Paul said, I'm coming to test the sincerity of your love. In Corinthians, he said, by the way, you prefer your brother over yourself. If you do not prefer them over yourself, it's not spirituality. Amen, somebody. It's important that you attend a church that's not telling you how to get over on your haters, but rather give you the gospel. Because you ain't going to grow if the only thing you hear about is your haters and how you can get over on them. You're going to grow with the gospel because it's a sword that's going to begin to sharpen and separate the soul and the spirit. Amen, somebody. So, so watch this. Watch, watch what happens here. She's got five husbands. The man she's living with now ain't her husband. And now watch what Jesus does here. 
The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Mm. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is. Watch this. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Now watch this. Everybody say spirit. spirit. Come on, let's say it like we mean it. Spirit, spirit. And, truth. and truth. We're talking about real worship tonight. And it is impossible to worship without spirit and truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not real worship if truth is not present. It's not real worship if your real reality, if you have not connected with your real reality. It's not real worship. It's superficial. That's why we love to sing songs that other people wrote in hope that we may be able to attract some sense of intimacy. Why? Because many of us have not really allowed God access to our hearts. And so we're trying to live through another person's relationship. And God is asking for permission to your heart. Real worship does not start until your heart is on the table. Wounded, dysfunctional, whatever it is, it needs to be on the table. Your anger, the one thing I love about David is David, and I've said it many times, but he didn't just pray, bless the Lord on my soul. David, the Psalms are filled with songs of God break their teeth out of their mouth. Do this to my enemies. And then he would repent and come back and then say, okay, God, have your way. David sings songs like, man, renew a right spirit. Why would he say that? Because the spirit man ain't right. Whatever's going on on the inside is conflicting with what he knows about God. David was real. He brought his real self all the time. You ever meet that person that's just, you know, and I've never met this. I've never met Joe Osteen. And if he ever watches this, man, I love you. I'd love to meet you. But listen, man, you cannot be smiling that much, dude. Not this. I mean, God, he can smile about anything like ordering Wendy's. I'll take a number nine. Like. I don't know what to do with people like that because I don't my life don't go like that. If you catch me on Monday, there might be a, 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 a another side of pastor that I'm like, look, I'm going to call you back. Why? Because I'm not in the mindset to give you the same counsel I gave you the last time this happened and you didn't do it. Call me on Tuesday. I have more patience on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, it's just real. It's like, I'll help you, but if I help you and I help you, help, keep trying to do it. You, you, you're not valuing the council. Mondays, I don't like to do circles. Tuesdays, I'll, I'll do a half a circle. Wednesday, maybe a three quarters of it. By Friday, I'll do a, one circle with you, but then I'm going to tell you to get back on track. I just like to make sure that what we're offering people is working. Amen, somebody? So watch this. The real worship, the real heart. Now watch what happened. Let's go back up to the top for a second. I want you to write this down. The Bible says that they came to the well at what time? It said the sixth hour in the Hebrew calendar. That's 3 p.m. That's the hottest part of the day. It's scorching hot. Any, anybody ever been to Israel? Anybody ever been to Vegas? 
That's what it feels like. You know, Vegas is a different type of heat. <laughs> That's what it feels like. 3 p.m. Why would she be out there at 3 p.m., first of all? Because she's a woman of reputation. And nobody else is out there at 3 p.m. This is her one time she can go and get what she needs out of that well and not be judged by the community. She has a reputation, and this is the perfect time that Jesus thought, I'm going to sit by this well. I'm going to sit by this well because he's God enough to know she was coming. And he was going to meet her at this place. She don't want to be seen by people. She has a past that haunts her. She has things that she's done that I'm sure people are talking about. I can imagine her hiding a lot. When you know you're doing wrong and you know people are going to talk, you don't want to go. Nobody wants to get around a bunch of people that all they're doing is whispering underneath their breath about how they dislike this person. Nobody wants to go hang out in a place that they're not celebrated or at least tolerated. And so she what she did is she would go at three around that time. And that's when she would get her fill and then take it back to whoever she was with at the moment. And Jesus met her in this specific place. Now, this is this is what's crazy about it. When Pastor Tim was reading this passage, notice this. There's a lot going on here. Y'all ready? Now, watch this. Notice that. She's trying to get away from the crowd before she meets Jesus. But soon as she engages with Jesus and he begins to read her story. The first thing she does is run into the town and tell everybody she met a man. They're saying, we know. (laughs) No, no, not that type of man. I, I met a guy that tells you everything. She literally... Her whole DNA, her whole self-perception changed about herself. She met somebody that spoke such radical truth to her, she stopped hiding in the shadows. And she was willing with dysfunction and all to jump out of the shadows and say, come meet the man that told me everything about me. They're all thinking, we all know that about you. But she didn't know Jesus knew that. And she certainly never comprehended that God would fellowship with her after knowing that. Come on now, that's something right there. I'm telling you, God does not have a sin allergy. You've been taught wrong. My God, if sin separates you from God, how did you ever get right? It does not make sense. There's only one place in scripture in Habakkuk when it says you're too holy to look upon sin. The next verse says, so why are you doing it? You got to read the whole thing. The prophet was taught through Judaism that he's too holy. He's too holy as God to look upon our condition. But then was blown away that God was still there. Gee, my God, Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us. He came down and bore sin that we could become righteous. He's not allergic to your dysfunctions. He gets in the middle of it and he starts working his will in it. You wouldn't be and I wouldn't be where we're at if God could not triumph over our sin. If you're being honest, man, let's throw the theology out for a second. We could talk about that for years. If you're being honest, how many of you knew you was doing dirt and felt God in the middle of all of it? Pulling you, tugging you, you're better than that. You don't have to do that. That's going to lead you down the wrong road. That's going to deceive you. Come on now. How many knew that God, if you're telling the truth, 
in the midst of all the junk you was doing, the Holy Spirit was still right there. You don't have to do that, son. It kills me when he calls me son. I figured out with God, that's my name. It ain't Gail, it's son. That's who he is. And God works his will out in us. That's not endorsing your sin, that's curing it. Amen. How many thankful for the grace of God? Jeez. My Lord. I mean, Tim, Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him and still picked him. Knew Peter was going to deny him and still gave him the keys to the kingdom. She went from hiding from people to actually seeking people out. This is what's amazing. Jesus asked her a question. We're talking about worship now. Jesus asked her a question. He said, go get your husband. He already knew she didn't have a husband. You know why? Because God will never heal nothing that we're not ready to expose. He wanted to see what she was ready to put on the table. He already knew the answer, but are you willing to put it on the table? What am I dealing with? Am I still dealing with you hiding? Are we still, Adam, where art thou? Are you still hiding or are you ready to come in all your dysfunction to the table? You're sitting here with somebody who knows it all. But I'm asking you a question because I want to know what you'll reveal because the more you'll reveal, the more I'll heal. He can do something when you put it on the table. It's okay to say, I'm fearful. You know, in the scripture, people, Christians kill me with this because they say, well, don't claim it. You know, if you got a headache, don't say you got a headache. That's the dumbest thing, if if I could just say it that way. It's not even scriptural to say that. The Bible says in James, let the the sick call for the elders of the church. You got to recognize you're sick to do that, to get prayer. You know, and they try to base it off the scripture says, call those things as not as though they were. That's not what that's talking about. Call those things as not as though they were. In other words, he's giving you permission to claim your healing. He's not telling you to deny you need it. He's saying, call those things as not as though they were, not those things that are as though they weren't. We're reading it, interpreting it backwards. This is good tonight, y'all. <laughs> we're reading it backwards. He's saying, hey, I got a headache. <laughs> it's pounding. But I thank God for my healing right now in Jesus' name. You have permission to use the spiritual authority you've been given in Christ to trump whatever you're physically manifesting. But he's not trying to. He's not telling you to deny that you need him. Come on, somebody. I know that wrecks a lot of religious thinking right there. (laughs) My mom, I I love my mother dearly. Watch it. I I love my mother dearly. She's such a a, uh, beautiful person, loves God with all her heart. But she's still in that, you know, don't claim it. But we'll, we'll be miserable walking around the house chewing everybody out because she got a headache. Turn it out! Why? She won't say she got a headache. Turn it out! Well, what's going on? Nothing. Just say you got a headache. We'll, we'll, we'll die it down, Mom. No. But that's how people are. But that's not what scripture teaches. So watch this. 
Put that down if you're taking notes. God can't heal what will not expose. Just write that down. We're talking about real worship because this is where it begins. It begins at the level that we expose what we're dealing with. Is this okay tonight? We expose what we're dealing with. This is another term that I want you to write down. How many have heard the definition of worship is usually what? To revere, to adore, to reverence. You know what my favorite Greek definition for worship is? Pilgrimage. In other words, to take a journey. That's my favorite definition of it. Because that's what worship is. It is a journey that you take to where the Father relocates you. Man, he relocates your authentic self. Do you realize how many of us right now are walking around not in touch with our authentic self? That's why you keep picking the wrong people in relationships. That's why you keep making the decisions that seem to to be detours and dysfunctions and all kinds of stuff that's happening because you have not really tapped into the true, authentic, real you. Before you date anybody else, you need to date yourself. Before you get in a relationship with anybody else, you need to get in a relationship with yourself. You need to figure out what you like, what you don't like, what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are. All of these type of things. Come on now. Because you're never going to ever. Listen, we long for compatibility. But if we do it in a wounded state, we have to stay wounded to keep it working. Ooh, You got to stay wounded to keep it working. As soon as somebody starts healing, it's going to mess that whole thing up. I don't know who you are. No, you don't. I picked you when I wasn't ready to pick anything. Because you made me feel comfortable in my misery. I'll back down a little bit. I know that's all right. Pilgrimage. In other words, worship is a journey that you're taking with God. It is a place That God grabs your hand and he takes you through every shadow of death. And he reveals who he is in you. Through every season, through every test. Some of you are on a journey. I sense, matter of fact, there is somebody here right now. This next season of your life is going to be so critical. Critical. It's a woman. And your hope has been shattered. But there's too much pride to admit it. And God is bringing you to a place of divine submission to his will. Hear me. God is bringing you to a a place of breaking. Because you have been for years... I'm just see. I'm seeing this woman. I, 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 the lights are. I, mean, I can't even see who's all here. But there's. It's almost like for the last several years, life has been robbing you and beating you up to the point where you don't. Not you're not even really sure what to even do now. And I feel that the spirit is bringing you to a place of submission. And there's going to be a complete, complete makeover. In the next season of your life. It is a journey of worship. You are getting ready to go on a pilgrimage. A journey. And he's going to take you into new territory. Amen.
Notice this, number one. Let's go back and read just for a second. Go back to where they start at the well, verse 3 or verse 4. Watch this. Got it? And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came into a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weird from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, And who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Watch this, y'all. Watch. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you, where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Mm. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go. Call your husband. And now, what, what, wait, big, big point here. She's looking for a drink of true satisfaction, and the first thing he says is, Go call your husband. Watch this. God typically answers our prayers with instructions. Go call your husband. He's getting ready to take her on a pilgrimage to give her this water because it's not physical water, it's spiritual water, and she needs. To encounter this. And it starts with her dysfunction. Now watch this. He says go get your husband. And what does she say? I'm not married. He says you said right. You've had five husbands, six husbands. And blah, blah, blah. And then watch what she says after that. She says I perceive you to be a prophet. And what is the first thing. Now listen. None of this conversation had nothing to do with worship. At all. This was not even on the menu. It wasn't on the table. They was not talking about worship at all. But soon as she realized that he knows her. She begins to say. Watch what she says here. That our fathers worship there and Jews worship there and all this stuff. All this topic switches to worship. I wrote this down if you're taking notes. It did not come up. Worship did not come up until truth was present. I don't know if that grabs you the way it grabs me. I mean, out of the blue, we're, now we're talking about worship. We was just talking about having a drink. And how did worship get in this conversation? Because when truth came forward, once that happened, worship became the subject now that we're dealing with. I wrote this down if you're taking notes. 
I always encourage you to do that. If our knowledge of God is superficial, our worship will be superficial. If what you know about God is superficial, if it's not deep, if it's surface, then also your worship will be superficial. This is what I was talking about earlier, and I'm not trying to, to, to condemn nobody, but man, we, we got a lot of shouters in the church, just not a lot of livers. Come on, somebody. They'll shout you down, and they, 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 they love when the organ's going, they love when it's hype, and the charisma's flowing, and everything is right. But then they walk outside and don't forgive people, don't love people, don't prefer people, don't talk to people. How can you tell me you're encountering a genuine God when your heart has not been transformed? The only thing you got to show for it the next day is your back hurt because you were running around the, the sanctuary. Whatever. I, you know, I told you white people, I, we can't shout, we jump, you know. But <laughs> I, I wish I could shout just one time. It'd be more like a man shout, though. Like, I don't know. I had to, like, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. Like, I'm with you, Junior. He's going to say to me, he said, man, I don't feel comfortable. So I said, neither do I. I'll run with you, though, if you ever want to take a lap. <laughs> we'll praise God the way we feel comfortable praising God. It's all right if you shout. Go ahead. I'll have divine hit a quick beat for you. Do your thing. Just do it from a genuine place. Let it be real. We've got to quit the superficial stuff. Because it's, it's, it's doing nothing but keeping us at a place that is not authentic. Worship, real genuine worship, before it can ever be real, we have to begin to expose the things in our hearts that is keeping us superficial. I learned a long, I led worship for over 20 years. Traveled all over this nation doing worship. And every kind of flow you can think, I've been a part of the, uh, we used to do stuff for Koji, we used to do stuff for, uh, I remember we used to travel with uh, this group that would do like, they would have shofars, and they would blow these shofars, and oh, and blow these shofars, and, and the people would shout till they was about to pass out, like a war type you know, scene, and, and I've been a part of all of it, I've been a part of like the Bethel stuff, all, all this stuff, you know, it's it's been around for years, and, I, and, I've, and I've appreciated the strengths of each camp. But I learned a long time ago that we have more singers than we do worshipers. Not everybody is ready to open up their heart to let God begin to penetrate the things that are holding them back. Real worship is a place of intimacy where he takes you on a journey to rediscovering Who he made you to be. Can you say amen? Number two. I want to just real quick go over to uh, Nehemiah 9. Watch this. Just swing that up there for me. 7 through through 8. Watch. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out from Ur of the Chaldees Mm. and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give him the land of the Canaanite of the Hittite, of the Amorite, of the Perzite, of the Jebusite. Now go back, go Gergesite. back, watch this. Verse 7, one more time. Something there that's really major. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. Continue. You found his heart faithful before right you. He found 
Abraham's heart faithful, y'all? Is your heart faithful? Not your church attendance. Is your heart faithful? That's a big deal. That is, that, that's heavy. That his heart was found faithful. We're talking about real worship. A faithful heart is willing to expose whatever it is that doesn't look like God. No matter how bad it hurts, no matter who has to walk away. You have to want what God wants for you more than you want what you want for you. You cannot make God bend to your agenda and then call it God's will. This okay tonight? Come on now. We, we have to want what God wants. A faithful heart is somebody who puts their heart on the line and allows God to impress his will on them. And then they walk it out trusting in the plan of the father. His heart was found faithful. And this woman who has been through all this dysfunction, it amazes me that she just exposed this reality like, I don't have a husband. She didn't know that Jesus knew all that. But her coming and saying that says a lot. You know, I, 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 anybody ever struggle with any addiction? Any addiction at all? One of the biggest problems with talking to addicts is getting them to see their dysfunction. That's part, that's like 60% of, of, of the battle is getting them to see what their dysfunction is costing them. And typically, sometimes people don't ever see it. They live their whole life lying to themselves. And when you start to lie to yourself, it becomes very easy to lie to everybody else. The moment we start lying to us, it becomes very easy to lie to everybody else. It's quiet in here tonight. I'm telling you. This is a big deal to keep your heart faithful. You can go through hell and still be authentic. You can have all kinds of stuff happen in your life and still remain authentic and sincere. You don't have to play the game and start lying and start being disauthentic. You are allowed to actually be authentic even in your dysfunction. She said, well, who's your husband? Go get your husband. I don't have a husband. She exposed her reality to him and Jesus said that's enough to work with. I can connect with that because it's true. And from there, I'm going to do the work. You want the water? Let's take the journey. You want the water? Let's take the journey. You want the satisfaction? Let's take the journey. I know it's scary, but I'm not telling you to go alone. I'm going to grab your hand and take the journey. We're going to pilgrimage together. You want the water? Take the journey. And in her case, the gateway to the water was dealing with these relationships. The gateway to the eternal satisfaction was dealing with the relationships. She'd been drinking from the well of deception long enough. It's amazing Jesus even met her there. This is the other point I want to bring up in closing. Once she felt that Jesus knew her, genuinely knew her, worship became the topic. It's much easier to worship once you feel known. I'm trying to. It's, it's hard tonight, but it, it's, it's going to land where it's supposed to land. 
Once she felt known, worship became the topic. I put this down. We worship whom we trust and we trust who we know. We worship who we trust and we trust who we know. He knows you. And I sense him asking the question tonight. Where's your husband? Where are you at? You know, God asked Adam, where, where are you? It ain't because he lost him. It's not because he lost him. Maybe he was trying to get Adam to think about what he's doing. Where are you at, man? What are you doing? What you playing with right now? God wants the, the authentic self. Worship starts with real. That's all I'm trying to get to tonight. We cannot be superficial and then blame God when our worship experience isn't right. He is not wanting to play pity pat with you. He's wanting to. Listen, man, we talking about God. If anybody needs to be worshipped, it's the father. Come on, somebody. If anybody needs to be worshipped, it's the father. But the beauty of worship is that we get to have this exchange to where we begin to give him our frailty and he gives us his strength. It's not just about giving him a bunch of compliments. Worship is an exchange that happens between DNAs. (laughs) It happens and he begins to pour himself into you. It's a beautiful thing to be able to have that intimate relationship with God. He's the only one that can fully understand you. Once you are worshiping God from a place of intimacy, you'll quit putting that burden on everybody else to know you. That's the problem with relationships. You think your husband's supposed to know you like the back of his hand. I know my wife, but I don't know every little thing about her. I don't know what she's thinking right now. It's not my job to be God to her. It's not your job to be God to him. That's God's job. And he's standing in line saying, hey, that's what I'm here for. Let me do it. But when we fail to when we fail to to manage this relationship, we put that unfair expectation on other people. How you want me to know you when you don't know you? Good preaching, Pastor G. Thank you, sir. You don't know you, but you want me to know you. What you want me to do is rediscover you without your help. You don't want to put no work into knowing you. (laughs) That's what you're really asking, is you want me to lay out this image of you that you can agree with, but you ain't got to put no work in. You don't want to get involved in the rediscovering of who God has called you to be. It don't happen that way. Worship is different, you know. You can always tell who is in tune with God in, a, in the atmosphere of worship. You can always tell who's in tune with God in the atmosphere of worship. But the beauty is, if you're a real worshiper, you're not looking for anybody who isn't. Because if you're really a worshiper, you're not doing this to find out who's not in tune. 
<laughs> Why? Because you're here. <laughs> One of the worst things that can happen to a worshiper is their gift. Be so developed that they start singing from their gift and not their heart. What would happen if we could get the courage tonight, right now? I'd say, okay, here's my reel. It's right here. It ain't pretty, but you can work with this. Here's my reel. Here's my reel. I want you to stand to your feet tonight.